Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I invite you to take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Corinthians. I invite you to go with me to 1 Corinthians and we're going to go to the 14th chapter. If you can turn there. Devices, that's good as well. Again, we welcome those who are joining us live stream. Glad you can be with us this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we have been in this last three months. The emphasis is, God, we're, like the song said, we're waiting here for you. God, we're calling on your name. We have just believed now is the time, God. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time that we need you more than ever. Don't we need him more than ever right now? Uh, our world is, is constant in trouble. Uh, I mean, there's always been strife around the world, but we are just, it's really been brought to our attention. And this last couple of years has been pretty hard on a lot of people and a number of you here as well. We are calling on God in this season. We're seeking that God would, we're seeking his intervention in a very tangible way. Not, we're, we're believing it for all the different regions of the world, yes, but we're believing it for our own families right here in this community, you, others, that we believe God has placed us here for such a time as this. Isn't, there, isn't that kind of biblical or something? Isn't that, who was it, Esther? Who, you know, was told that if you don't step into this, there's, God will have to look for someone else. I don't want God to have to look for someone else. I want to be, him to be able to say, Wayne, would you do it? And Wayne says, yes. And that put your name there. Would you do it? Would you step in? Would, you make it, would we see greater, greater things done in our day? So we're believing that. Now is the time. And we've been talking through prayer. We've been talking through a number of things. But we've been focusing the last little bit on pressing into hearing him. What is it to hear him? What is it to, to recognize and respond to God's voice? What does that look like? So 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul was dealing with the church that was dealing with what we're talking about right here, the Corinthian church. And in chapter 14, we're going to pick it up. We're going to read the first five verses, so follow along with me. Paul's speaking to this church, and he's addressing a problem. The problem was twofold. Before I read this, the problem was twofold. Number one, they knew that the Spirit of God had changed them, just like those that spoke from the tank this morning, that Jesus is Lord. And life, lives begin to be changed when you submit your life to Jesus Christ. He, he does amazing work. Sometimes it's, it's tough letting and submitting to him to do that. But lives are changed. And, and when that happens, you just, like, you just want all of God. You want God to move in his might and power. But sometimes we don't know what that looks like. And it can really upset the apple cart, if you would. It can really turn people on edge and make there's some hostility. So uh, Paul was addressing this. So first of all, the people had uh, kind of gone overboard in some things. I mean, they were desiring God, and, and it was kind of going crazy, just kind of going crazy. So uh, Paul was addressing it. And secondly, he was, he was calling it forth. So there were those that were starting to get a little goofy, 
how else you to describe it? Starting to get a little goofy. They, they weren't sure of the theology around the things, of the practical, what was going on. Paul was talking about it. But there were others that were, you know, <laughs> arms folded and saying, yeah, I don't need that kind of thing. And so Paul was calling, no, listen, we are a body. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I would rather have you prophesy, for the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. In other words, prophecy, if it's not, if, if the person is speaking in tongues, and Paul is all for it, speaking in the language of the Spirit, he's all for it. The baptism, we call it. The infilling of his Spirit, he's all for it. But he says, but when it comes when you're around others, he said, then your tongues doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because it's edifying you. you need, therefore, we need to be speaking to one another. And he gave the criteria for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So if all there was, and I guess this must have been a problem. It must have been a problem. They got together and people just all started speaking in tongues. And in a whole service around tongues. Well, people were going away and going, I, I got nothing from that. Well, because you couldn't. Unless someone interpreted it. So in the, in the context of a body, the focus of getting together, like today, like Sunday mornings, or in a Bible study, or in a small group, or whatever the meeting might be, when you get together with others, that the purpose is that each be built up in the Lord. It isn't just about you anymore. Now, when you are in your private time, in your room, and praying with God, it is about you. But when you are together, it's about others now, the body be built up. You're here as vessels to help one another. And what was happening in the early church, it wasn't happening. And so he talks about this. He says, unless one interprets so that the church may be edified. There's the focus. The church be edified. The church be edified. Thus he started verse 1 by saying, follow the way of love. You see, if you love, you can't just be about you. If you love, you got to care about others. That was his call. So really, I want to just close this uh, this two-part series, Hearing God's Voice, last week and now this week, in dealing, and we're, we've been focusing in, a, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Last week, it was giving us the reason when the early church got together, they came for a reason. They didn't come to make business contacts. They didn't come in order to just, just hear a preacher preach. They didn't just come in order to send their children to children's church. They didn't come just to sing some songs. And I'm not dismissing any of that, but they did not come for that reason. The reason they came, in verse 26, later that chapter, when you come together, each has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, interpretation. Everything be done so that, here we back, the church may be built up. So what was happening there when they went to gather together in the early church, in their hearts they prepared themselves that God might use them to touch somebody's life that day. 
Now, how many times have a person, have you maybe, or a person left church and going, well, I didn't get anything out of that? That's the wrong answer (laughs) to the wrong question. It really comes around, who did I reach out to today? Did I bless someone today? Did I encourage? Did I comfort someone? Did I just come alongside? And, And we come to give of the spirit life in the church. Now, yes, in the context of the body like we are right here, but in the context of the interaction with people. And, and this is I'm, the reason I think this is so timely right here today, March 13, 2020. So timely is we're on the heels of a pandemic that told us stay away from each other. Now, I understand that. I'm not complaining about that. Well, I am in one regard. Because that staying away, I get it. But that staying away has done damage now because the body hasn't functioned right. Because we were meant now. So now that we're coming back, now that we're coming back, let's be very intentional. I'm excited about the coming back and not the fear that's going to be around it. And there's going to be some of that apprehension. I'm excited about the coming back. I'm praying, and I know others here are praying, I'm praying for a new day. A new day where the body, because we were apart, We learned some things, and I've learned some things. I learned how much I miss people. I learned how much I miss fellowshipping with people. I learned how much I never considered myself a hugger. Just, you know, okay, doesn't mean you have to beeline for a hug, but point is I miss just the little contact point because we were supposed to stay six feet apart and kind of, you know, and at best do an elbow bump. And I get why we did that. I, I was in support of that but we need to come back. We need to build one another up. And it really requires all of us, not the padre at the front, but it requires all of us as part of the context of the body. If you are a follower of Jesus, ah, you've been assigned to be a part of this. This is the text, the context of what this is doing. And as we do it, God will do amazing things in his body. He desires it, he empowers it, and he moves through it. So when we come, let's come with a prayer. God, use me to minister to others today. Use me. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that. But uh, you say, well, God doesn't speak to me. I don't know what, like, what what whatever I say, I'm not good with words. Well, join a list of people in the Bible, Moses being one of them. God, don't use me. I don't, I stutter. And, you know, they had this big conversation. And so Moses missed out on a great opportunity because God reached over and grabbed his brother and said, okay, Aaron, you're going to have to talk. Moses is reluctant here. God will give you the words. He will help you through. And, you know, James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you don't ask. How often have you prayed, God, use me today? Lord, let me be a mouthpiece for you today. Let me encourage someone today. Let me be a blessing to someone today. If you start off your day, I'm going to suggest every day, not just Sunday, but Monday, tomorrow, if you go to work or wherever you might go, school, well, you won't be going to school tomorrow, but wherever you go this week, go with the spirit of God's going to use me today to touch someone else. And then look for it. You receive not because you don't ask. God's not going to give you something if you're going to say no. No. You receive not because you ask not. Some things to note, and we brought this up, when God is speaking to you, you could know this. God will speak through the scriptures. 
God's voice is consistent with his character. As you read the Gospels, you'll become attuned to how he speaks. God's voice will always bear good fruit. Yes, that's Galatians 5, 23, the fruit of the Spirit. But it's also Philippians 4, 8. It's talking of the character of the Spirit. It is also speaking of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, or chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, the love chapter, where he talks, love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. Yes, that is the voice. That's the character of his voice. As you learn those things, you will flow, that, that will flow out. And God's voice will often be different than yours. His ways are higher and broader and deeper. His voice will have a different flavor than just you. God desires to speak through us. And in this text today, chapter 14, verse 3, the one who prophesies, now don't get all caught up in prophecy, you know, you have to, well, that means you get up and say, thus saith the Lord, and then you prophesy. That's not the description. Prophecy means you speak on behalf of God. You speak on behalf of God. God wants to speak through you. I'm going to suggest every day, he wants to speak through you. And you don't have to start by saying, God told me to tell you. It should be assumed. When I share and I talk, when I pray with people, I shouldn't have to say God told me to tell you. It should be expected that God is speaking through me. And when you share something, if you begin to share something of your heart and of your faith, it should be expected, if you're a follower of Jesus, it should be expected God is speaking through you to talk to me. I sh you shouldn't have to preface it with something saying, well, God just said this. Well, then what's the rest of the conversation? Who's speaking there? Are you not led of the Spirit and letting the Spirit? So the prophecy is letting His voice naturally speak and flow through us. Now, there will be given moments and times where there will be a specific word, but we should be voices allowing just, He mentions here, who speaks to the people for their strengthening. In other words, they're feeling weak. You strengthen them. For their encouragement. That means they're maybe being intimidated. They're feeling uh, cautious, anxious-filled, that now you've, you've encouraged them, you've brought courage to them, and lastly, comfort. They're broken and wounded. And your words have bound up their wounds and brought healing to their wounds. Now let me just say right here, a number here, and I'm, I, was, I was tempted to, but I'm not going to ask this question for you to respond. But I'm going to hazard a guess that a number of you here, if you've been in church, in the church scene, any length of time, You've probably, a number of you have been hurt by words spoken over you or prophecy. Uh, wounded by it. I have many times. I pray that my words have not wounded others, but that can be hard to tell. And I'm going to hazard a guess that many have been hurt from something that someone said God said and it, it wasn't. And it stung and it left a bad taste in your mouth. And there are people so burned out by the prophetic ministry, they'll have nothing to do with it now. Anything that resembles God speaking, they run the opposite direction. It happened in the New Testament too. In a church in a town in a city called Thessalonica, and we read of it in 1 Thessalonians 5.20. Let me just read what Paul had to say. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good.
That was happening a long time ago. This is not new. It's been happening as long as the New Testament and words have been spoken. Do not treat them with contempt. In other words, don't just stroke them off saying, I'll have nothing to do with it. God, if he doesn't speak through the canon of his word, he's not speaking at all. Don't restrict him to that. Because he is speaking. He is continuing to use his body, as he said in Corinthians. He desires to use you. And you do not have to be like, go to Bible college for it. You do not have to be so many years in the faith. If you come to Jesus, if you came to Jesus as Lord and Savior yesterday, he's using you today. That's how fast he's using you. Because his spirit lives inside. And he wants to speak through you. And don't treat it with contempt. So don't disregard it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't treat it with contempt. But you do have to test all things. And we all can do that. You don't always have to run to the pastor to say, was that right? Was that wrong? And if you need some, need some encouragement or direction, I'm glad to do that. But the Holy Spirit lives inside you. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. Is that of God? Is that not of God? Are you finding it consistent with His Spirit? And your spirit will testify, is this of the Lord or could it be of the Lord? Or something just stands against that and your spirit testifies against that. Test all things, he says, and hold on to what is good because there will be things that are bad. Now, I want to just put this out. When it's bad, it doesn't mean the person planned it to be bad. Sometimes it was bad because they were misdirected. Doesn't mean you start to look for the closest rock to stone them. It means they could be misdirected. Now, sometimes a person is malicious. That is true. Other times a person just was misinformed in the giving of what the Spirit was trying to say through them. They were just not giving it right. And there's different reasons it can come in a way that you need to test it and hold on to what is good. So, Let's make sure we're not of the company that is giving words or speaking ill in a way that is not of God. I just put down five things we should know when giving words from God. Let me go quickly. Number one, get permission from God to speak. When you sense something, whether through whatever it might be, meditation, scripture, maybe you have a dream, a vision, an impression, don't assume that because God gave it to you, he want, you have permission to share it. There's a secondary question you need to ask, God, do you want me to share it? Because sometimes it's for you. Sometimes it's just for me. And so I'm you know, passing it along, but God hasn't asked me to that. He's saying, Wayne, you need to listen to this. And I'm, I call it projecting what God is saying to others. So ask that first question. Get permission from God to speak it. Because he might not have released you to share. And not just that, sometimes... God grants revelations that his servants are not permitted to share, but maybe later. We see this in Daniel. I mean, a couple of people, Daniel, he heard from God all the time. What an example. Daniel chapter 8, 26. Daniel was to seal up the vision for a later time. You wonder, well, why did God give it early? Well, you ever wondered about Joseph in the Old Testament? Why did God give him a, a dream when he was a teenager for it not to be fulfilled until years later? He was just taunting the poor teenager. Don't do that to teenagers. God gave them a dream, but it wasn't until later. Daniel, same deal. Uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. Daniel again implored, was implored to hold on to it until the knowledge had caught up. Knowledge hadn't caught up to what he was about to share, so he needed to wait until knowledge had caught up. 
2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, chapter 12, verse 4. Paul saw things, but he was not allowed to share them. He saw things, but he says, I can't share it with you. God won't let me. Get permission from God. Secondly, distinguish between revelation, interpretation, and application. Revelation, interpretation, and they are different. They are not the same. It is possible to have a correct revelation. A revelation means God is revealing something. But a faulty interpretation, you, you interpreted it wrong, frequently happens. So you have a revelation and you are putting the pieces in place, but the interpretation is not right. And therefore, the application will be off base. Let me give an illustration. This actually happened. There was a situation where a person with regard to finances saw a dollar sign over another person's head. They saw a dollar sign over another person's head. And they were concluding that that person has been irresponsible with money. Only later to discover that was not it at all. The person they saw the dollar sign over, that person had an employee who was embezzling money from their company. And God was revealing that. But they had a faulty interpretation. So recognize the difference between revelation, interpretation, so therefore there's proper application to when God speaks to you. Three, give words with humility. I, I resist, personally, uh, getting, and, and getting up and saying, the, the Lord told me to tell you. I resist that. Perhaps the best, better way of saying it is state you have an impression, you have a sense of, Here's the reason, and you don't have to do the other, because if, if, if it's not of God, you have just put the entire onus on him. And I'm the one who makes the mistake, never him. And so I need to, some, I need to slow that down a little bit. And I, I, I sense maybe this. I, I wonder if maybe this, this is happening. And maybe even, uh, you might even, when you share the words, you might say, does this mean anything to you? So you have not just come down and saying, thus saith the Lord on this. And then it could bring havoc in that situation. In the context of the church, I, I, it can be during moments of worship. And so humility, operating in humility, you don't interrupt when the preaching, you don't interrupt the worship and song. But there are lulls in the service and you might be impressed that there's a word for the body. And I encourage at times like that, just talk to me. Talk to the pastor. Just come on over and you know, just say, I'm really sensing there's a word for the body today. And maybe in one sentence what that word is. And then I will bear witness with it and then give opportunity for that word to be shared. So that there's not bedlam, there's not confusion, there's not competition taking place. It's in order, but God still is glorified in his body because we released it for the purpose of the building up of the body. Humility. Number four, leave the results to God. Once shared, pray. But your job's over. Obedience is ultimately between them and God. You do not have to twist arms. You do not have to convince. You can trust God. And number five, pray for those to whom God places on your heart. You just hold them up in prayer. There are some pitfalls when it comes to uh, sharing when God reveals, stirs your heart with a word for someone or the body. And, uh, and there's entire books. I've got books in my library around the pitfalls, entire books, volumes of these. And it's just like, how, wow, things can get messy quick. First, I just, I'm going to pare them down to three. One, 
Beware of speaking out of jealousy or anger. You're ticked off about something, and so you have a word from God about it. No, 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 no. You, you, if there's a conflict, if there's a situation, you deal with it as it is. You don't make it that the Lord has told you to do this. Um, unless it's blatant sin, then that's different. Secondly, another pitfall is a desire to come through for people. And this is, uh, uh, we are never called to be Christian psychics. That you have to go to this person to get a word. Because what you've done is you now have placed pressure on that person to come through with the word, and they might not have a word. But they're going to have to come up with something because they're a prophet. they got to come up with something. Instead, let that person approach you and say, here's what I'm sensing. Here's what maybe I'm, I'm being stirred to share with you about. Instead of assigning someone and going to that person in order to get your, your mail read, let them converse with you on that. Instead of you, what will pitfall is you're asking things they now are under pressure and strain to have to come through for you. And many times it'll be false because they're under the gun. And you don't see that in New Testament. Thirdly, to be seen as some sort of badge. This is another pitfall. To be seen as a badge of those who are spiritual. The spiritual people are the ones who have words. The spiritual people are ones they talk with God. Every child of God, if the Spirit of Christ lives in you, he is speaking. And never wear it as a badge. Never wear it as a level of spirituality. Matter of fact, I shared this with uh, our group on Wednesday evening. and invite you to join us Wednesday evening, 645. We'll unpack this a bit more. But last Wednesday evening, I shared when I grew up as a kid in church, there were those that spoke in prophecy and in tongues. And I always was bothered as a child because they were people I didn't highly respect in the church as a child. I thought they were a little flaky, to be honest. And I thought, why them? And I really struggled with that. Why them? I struggled with all the way to Bible college. When I was in Bible college, I had a teacher who, in teaching, and he was just passing through this section of Scripture in Corinthians, and I, I sorry, I can't remember anything else he said, but I remember this, because it spoke to me that day. He said, often God will use, in the context of the body, he'll use people that you consider are weak people, people that of, of poor reputation to speak to the entire body. Often, not always, you know, but he'll do that many times. And I remember sitting in class going, why? And then he answered, he, and he asked the question there, why do you think that is? Well, because they're humble. And God many times uses the foolish to confound the wise. He would use the wise, but too many times they're so caught up in their own wisdom they don't share, or they share misinformed. And a person who's just broken before God, you know, God, I have nothing, I come with nothing, and God just flows out of that person, ministering to other people because they don't wear it as a badge. They don't wear it like, look at me. Those are pitfalls. So I want to close with three key characteristics. This is, if we could take anything home in these two days, it's this. May our lives line up to this. Here it is, number one. Three key characteristics in hearing the voice of God. One, I remember I had a guy who many times operates as a prophet come to me. Remember, he walked up and he initiated this. He walked up and he says, I see, I see this over you. Availability. He spoke that and I thought, that's the strangest thing. Availability. And I realized this was actually number one. Here's three key. Number one, available and willingness. 
If you want God to move through you, three characteristics. You want to hear God? Be available and be willing. Let's talk about available. You study the life of Jesus, who heard the voice of the Father all the time. I mean, better than anyone. You will be impressed that he, was, he had unreserved availability for his Father. Unreserved availability. Jesus was always 24-7 accessible to his Father. Now you wonder how God moved, Father moved, so, and Jesus saw signs and wonders in such tremendous ways. Jesus' time completely belonged to his Father. He shared his time with no one. John 5.19 says, The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. He kept his eyes on the Father all the time. And thus, he was at the right place at the right time to fulfill the Father's desires. Why? Available. Available. Now, I'm not talking about you. Well, you have devotions. You have a quiet time of meditation. I'm not talking about that. That's your duty. We should do that without being asked. No, I'm not talking about that. It's more than that. God often speaks to us in the most inconvenient times. Anybody testify to that one? The most inconvenient times? Not now. Why is that the case? Convenient times is my little time of devotion. But many times it's in a time where you are on the way to something and he's drawing your attention right here. You're about to walk by it. He's drawing your attention. Inconvenient. But are you available? Are you always available? That's, God will speak that way. What about God's habit of waking some of you up at three in the morning? Inconvenient? You had a dream. You felt it was more than just a dream. It was more than that. It's important. Have you got a pad and paper? Lori and I have pad and paper beside our beds. Have you got a pad and paper? Because if you're like me, you'll forget it come morning time. If you feel it's more than just, just a dream, and write it down. And then you lay it before the Lord. Lord, what are you saying? Am I available or not? Remember, if you're available to him, he will be available to you. The gospel writer Mark tells an account in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. This was the account where the disciples were called by Jesus. I, let me just read it to you. Mark 3, 13. Jesus went up into the hills and called to those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 and assigned them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. I want to use that last verse right there. No, that he might be with them, send them out to preach and drive out demons. Now, we, we like the part of preaching. We like the part driving out demons. But before they ever preached and before they ever drove out demons, the key part of that verse, that they might be with him. You will not be successful in sharing the good news and you will not have authority over unclean spirits if you haven't been with him. As you are with him, he will flow through you to others. The key component, when he called the 12, be with him. Habakkuk talked about this in Habakkuk 2, verse 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. Do you get that picture? I stand guard. I will look to see what he says to me and what answer I am to give him. This attitude of the person available to the Lord is the attitude of, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Availability, but it's a two-tier. Willingness. 
It's not just enough to be available, but you have to be willing. It's like you enter into the relationship with the yes already in place. You go before God, before he says anything, you say yes. <laughs> he hasn't said a thing, yes. Watch the prophets of the Old Testament. That's how they approach. Before he started talking, yes. And then he tells them what to do. Versus, okay, let me, let me hear this first and I'll see what I'll do with it. Because often he won't share it. He needs a yes because often you'll, you won't do it if you hear what he's about to tell you. And so you start with the yes. You start with the willingness. Jesus told his disciples in John 7, 16, My teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. If any man is, here it is, willing to do his will, he will know my teaching. In other words, flip it backwards, if you're not willing to do his will, if you're going to negotiate with him, he won't tell you. Why can't I hear the voice of God? Maybe there's the answer. There's not a willingness. There's not an approach with a yes in your spirit. God speaks to those who are willing to do what he asks. One reason Jesus heard the voice of the Father better than anyone else in his day was his utter obedience to whatever God the Father said. Note what Jesus said in John 5, 30. He said, I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. So it's not about if I'm happy. Is my Father happy. And sometimes God's voice does not at first makes sense. This happened with Philip the evangelist in Acts chapter 8. Philip the evangelist, he was Philip the evangelist, he was in the middle in Samaria there was a revival going on. Move of God, signs and wonders. Things were happening. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. There were miracles taking place. Philip was right in the middle of that. And right in the middle of the whole thing, it the Bible tells us that um, in verse 26, the Lord speaks to him and says, Philip, arise, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. That was all he got. Now, here's the problem. We don't, I, I've got a Bible that tells me of the archaeology. Philip was in the middle of a move of God, right in the middle of it. Good things were happening. And God told him to go to a deserted desert road and wait. Who of us wouldn't have been tempted to say, that can't be God? That has to be the, you know, the other one. Because look what's happening right here. God wouldn't send me to a deserted road when this is happening. It's exactly what took place with Philip. Acts chapter 8, 26. Arise, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. What did Philip do? The very next verse, verse 27. And he arose and went. Willingness. What happened next? He's hanging out on this deserted road. A chariot, a horse come by, and God says, it's him. Follow him. So Philip come, he comes alongside and just follows him. He's walking along the horse. You know, I don't know if Philip was running or walking. We're not told. He comes alongside, and the guy inside, he's a eunuch. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. He couldn't understand it. Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? No, I don't understand it. How could I understand it? Philip explains it to him. The guy gets saved. They stop the chariot. They get into the water, and they get baptized. What an amazing story. It all started with a willingness, when it was a very inconvenient time. Availability, willingness. Thirdly, or second, my second point, available and willing is one point. I want to bring those together. The second thing, what do I need to do for God to speak through me? Humility. I don't know if there's anybody in the Bible God spoke more to than like Moses. Chosen by God, but he was chosen because he was humble. Numbers 12.3, now Moses was very humble, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow. What about Daniel? God spoke to Daniel with these wild dreams. 
Well, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. I have come in response to you having humbled yourself. God speaks to the humble. One of the most frightening verses in the Bible is Psalms 138, verse 6. It says, Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, other translation, he looks upon the humble, but the proud he knows from afar off. Catch that. He looks upon the humble, the proud are in the distance. He looks for the humble. Hmm. Availability and willingness, humility. God, just my heart, humility. And thirdly, friendship. Friendship is the key to recognizing God's voice. He comes to us out of relationship. While on the other hand, we often, many of us here, and I tend to be more, I tend to be a person who's results-oriented. But God desires relationship. Often I want to talk to God about fixing things. He just wants to talk. And there needs to be the place of that approachability, friendship, relationship. They must be chosen. Friends are chosen in seasons of trust and appreciation. Friends can't be coerced. It's not a true friend if all that person wants to do is exploit you. Are they a true friend? If all your relationship is about is getting something from the other person, it's not a true friend. It's exploitation. A true friend is not about getting something from you. It's about hanging with you, growing together and understanding each other. Isn't that right? And friendships are nurtured. And the same is true when it comes into the Spirit of God and our relationship with Him. It's not wrong to come to Jesus initially because of what He can do. But if our primary interest revolves around what He can do for us, then here's what will happen. When you feel He lets you down in meeting your perceived needs, we become bitter. And many Christians who have walked out and never come back because God hasn't come through for them. But he wants to be your friend. He doesn't just want to be a sugar daddy handing you everything you want. He wants a relationship. Be a friend. We see this, and I close with the story of Luke 10, 38 to 42. I'm just going to tell the story. But as Martha and Mary, two sisters... Jesus and his disciples come upon their house. It appears that they weren't prepared for it. Martha immediately kicks into high gear in verse 40. Martha was distracted. Verse 39, Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to Jesus when he came by their house. 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And Martha became upset with Mary and went to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. We got a lot to do here. There's many guests to feed. Now, all of us in the church, we like Marthas. We like people who serve, me included. We like the Marthas who get involved and help, and they're volunteers. They just make things hum. We are here today because of a bunch of Marthas in our church. Thank God for Marthas. But the problem here was Martha was distracted. Martha was committed to hospitality. She opened her home to Jesus. I mean, that is great. But somehow in there, she got her eyes really fully off of Jesus and onto stuff. Onto stuff. And she became distracted. Verse 40 said that was the problem. Martha, you're distracted. Distracted from what? I have to make meals. You're distracted because Jesus is here. You won't always have him here. He's here right now. 
and you're running off doing something, maybe it's time to throw a pizza on and not have to prepare a full-course meal. Now, we understand this. We've been to Israel a few times, and when we've eaten in Israel, it's an hour, it's an hour to an hour-and-a-half procedure. You sit down, it's a whole event to eat. And I understand, it just wasn't scarf it down, 10 minutes, you're gone. No, 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 no. It's a big event. And Martha got absorbed in the big event of what was happening. Yeah, she had a good heart to want to serve people. But the problem was, is him who's our friend was here. And so Jesus called her on that. When she started griping and complaining, Jesus, Mary was saying, listen, first you, Lord, second this. First you. And Martha was doing all the other things. And you know, life comes at us like a big banquet. There are so many wonderful courses for you and I to choose almost every day. What about our wives? We, we can serve our wives. We serve our husbands. We serve our children, our teenage children, our younger children. You're serving your career. You're serving your vocation. You're serving your finances and your bank accounts. You're serving all your friends and relationships. There's an endless list of our banquet before us. But the Bible says Mary chose the best course. She chose friendship with Jesus first. What does friendship with Jesus have to do with recognizing God's voice? Well, at the beginning of the story, we see it. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at Jesus' feet. Note the posture. Available, willing, and humble. And so Jesus was touching her. And out of that, the rest flows. Mary desired friendship. That's what she sought. Friendship, key to recognizing God is speaking. So I close. Chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And in 2 Timothy, he would say in chapter 1, For this reason, I fan into flame the gifts of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God does not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca